Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, Can you keep a secret? knowing how to respond to the question. Can you keep a over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. Together we can be stronger, so we can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it, yeah. So we can talk about it, talk about it, yeah. Let's talk about it, yeah. Let's talk. Today's topic, we're going to be discussing the case of the death of a 15-year-old girl called Brianna, whose life was stolen from her by her boyfriend. Now, I was watching a documentary quite recently and having watched the documentary and found an article online with regards to the same case, I thought it'd be appropriate to discuss it. So just to give you some context as to exactly what happened, according to the documentary, Brianna is the daughter of a Hispanic couple who are living in the United States. The area they live in, it is a very unsafe neighborhood. It is gang ridden and it is incredibly impoverished to put it as politely as possible and as a result of that Brianna's mother wants to ensure that her daughter stays out of trouble does not end up in a gang and does not end up pregnant in fact Brianna's mother gave birth to her when she was around 17 years of age and for that reason she wants to ensure that she enables her daughter to pursue an education Brianna shares in the documentary her mother that is Brianna's mother shares in the documentary that she ran away from home at 16, ended up getting pregnant with her boyfriend, who I believe is now her husband. And as a result of that, she ended up having a young child to take care of. And then a number of years later, she has a son. Now, Brianna is 14 at the time, and she starts to go to an all-girls high school wearing a school uniform. And her and her friends obviously are not too excited about having to conform to the rules of the school, specifically wearing these hideous uniforms. Now, Brianna does not have a Facebook account. However, her mother had an old Facebook account. And so Brianna would actually use her mother's Facebook account to talk to people. On one occasion, somebody started messaging Brianna through her mother's Facebook account. The person said, who is this? And she responded and said who she was. She said, do I know you? And he said, I don't know you. What school do you go to? And the conversation went along in this vein. He eventually asked her for a photograph, which she sent to him. Non-sexualized photograph that he sent, but she sent one nonetheless. And he said, she's very beautiful. Her response, I'm sure you say this to all the girls. They speak back and forth. And over some time, they develop a romantic relationship. Brianna comes to school and shares with her friends how she has a boyfriend when they overhear her telephone conversation. They said, where did you meet? She says, on the internet. And she confides in them she's never met him in real life. And she's afraid that by not meeting him, he could lose interest. Eventually, 
Brianna does meet this guy, and she actually runs away from home to meet him. So she sneaks out of the house at 7 a.m. and ends up taking two backpacks and stays with this guy. His name is Eric Meyer. Now, according to the documentary, when she first meets Eric Meyer, he says, "I have something to tell you. Don't be angry at me. I'm not 16. I'm 21." Now, of course, when Brianna meets him at his house, he is not with his parents. He lives by himself. He looks older, and so. Realistically speaking, she would have known he is not a 16-year-old, and I appreciate it. That in a place like in the United States, the men, the young men, I should say, the young men, the young girls, often look older than their age, so they could be 16, looking about 21. So I appreciate that. But the fact is, how many 16-year-olds have their own place? And he wasn't staying particularly far from her. The point I'm trying to make is, yes, we know that some 16-year-olds may have their own place when they're incredibly wealthy. But the type of setup of the house, it wasn't like that. So realistically speaking, any young person would sort of have questions as to, you know, who's paying for this place? Are you going to school? Are you in college? Where are your parents? These kind of questions would be reasonable for a teenager to think about a 16-year-old who has his own place. She says to him when he confides that he is 21, she says, "I'm not 15. I'm actually 14." When they started speaking through Facebook, he said he was 16, and she said that he was 15. She, sorry, he says he's 16, and she says she's 15. When in fact she was 14 years of age. Their relationship becomes sexual very fast, and from the documentary, I would say that, of course, we know about statutory rape, but I would say that this was rape because, according to the documentary, Brianna was not ready to have sex. She told him, "I've not been with anyone before." In other words, she was a virgin, and then he used the whole "if you love me" line. To get her to acquiesce, but from the documentary, it was quite clear that she was not in agreement with this. Anyhow, her mother has a letter that Brianna left on the bed, saying, "I've run away. Don't look for me." The mother is incredibly upset by this, very emotional, and tells the police to do nothing. Why? Because the mother, in her mind, foolishly shows this runaway letter, and the police say she's a runaway. It's a Friday. There's nothing we can do about it. She's not a missing person. The mother does her own digging and finds her old Facebook account is open on Brianna's laptop. She manages to go through her daughter's messages and she comes across Eric Meyer's message. There were no photographs identifying him per se, but there was a picture of him killing a fly—a video, in fact, of him killing a fly—and that video was of him killing the fly on a window. So she took a good look at this video, did her detective work to try to work out where this could be. She drives down to the neighborhood where he's from because in his Facebook profile he puts "I'm from this place," assuming he's not lying. He is from that particular neighborhood. Her and her husband drive around and they look around the various streets to see if they can identify the houses in the video. After some time, the mother identifies the house. They wait outside in the vehicle for quite some time, and they see Brianna closing the window, closing the curtain. The mother then rings the police. Her daughter is brought in. However, Brianna refuses to admit that she had sex with this guy. She refuses to say that he kidnapped her or anything of the like. And so the mother has no case. The mother brings Brianna home. She puts bars on the windows to stop her daughter from going out. She gives her daughter no phone access, no computer access. So she's grounded. Now, when Brianna comes to school and she communicates with her friends about the situation, she says to her friends, "You know, I'm afraid that he's going to lose interest in me because we can't see each other." 
can you please help me? And the friend agrees. And so every Friday, Brianna would go to the mall with the friend. And at the mall, that's where she'd meet the boyfriend. They'd spend three or so hours together. He'd buy her things, say he loves her, professes emotions towards her, his affection. After some weeks, the boyfriend, Eric Meyer, he gets frustrated and he says to Brianna, this isn't working for me. I can't just be meeting with them all once a week. What is this? This is not working. We haven't had sex for ages. And when he made that statement, it was so ridiculous because they'd slept together two months ago. So for him to say we haven't had sex in ages, that is ridiculous because there are plenty of couples, spouses, people in committed relationships that have not had sex for the last year or longer, or others who, because let's say that they're in the army or because of lockdown, whatever reasons, they've not had sex for seven months, two years, whatever. The point is, two months is really nothing. And so when he said, we haven't had sex for ages, it's like, that was just 60 days. That really isn't very long. And he gets really upset and emotionally gets angry. And then she tells him she's pregnant and he, he looks very unhappy about the whole thing. And she said, I thought you'd be happy about it. And he's like, yeah, I am happy. I'm so, so happy. But by his expression, you can see that's not the case. Anyhow, eventually Brianna's mother uncovers that she's been using another cell phone because this Eric Meyer bought her cell phone. The mother sees photographs of Brianna showing her stomach. Brianna confides in her mom. I'm not pregnant, but I told him that. The mother gets Brianna to call the boyfriend and the mother says, tell him, tell him. Eric Meyer over here said, who's that in the background? And Brianna says, I'm not really pregnant. I lied to you. When Brianna's mother's out of the room, she'll take her brother's cell phone, her younger brother's cell phone and use it to contact Eric. She'd use her friend's phone. She'd find a way to communicate with him. And she told Eric, my mother made me have an abortion. Now, from what I understand that she actually was never pregnant to begin with, it was a lie. She said that to keep him interested. But because she didn't want Eric to consider her to be a liar, she had to kind of find a, a backup to her story. And so she said that her mother forced her to have an abortion. Her mother is distressed by the situation because Eric is so much older than her. He is not in love with her. He's using her for sex. And because Brianna is so young and naive, she's not seeing that. Brianna's 15. The parents decide we're going to move to Romeoville. They move around 30 miles to Romeoville from their present accommodation. And they decide we're going to start afresh. Unfortunately, Brianna is unwilling to let go. She continues to communicate with Eric. And this is despite the fact that Brianna discovered that Eric Meyer was having sex with one of her friends. So even though she knew that he'd had sex with one of her friends, there was that pull, there was that hold over her that she couldn't just let Eric go. She'd use a friend's phone. She'd find ways to communicate with Eric. Eventually, she decides, you know, this isn't working for me. You know, he had sex with my friend. I can't trust him. I need to break away. And so she sends Eric messages saying, it's over. I can't do this anymore. Eric sends her threatening messages saying that he's going to kill her. He's going to send 30 men to the house to rape her. And the kind of messages he was sending... They frightened her. And that is actually why she told her parents. She was getting these messages to her friend's phone. And they were so threatening. She got her mother involved and said, I'm afraid for you and my father's safety. I am concerned about you. And that's why I need to tell you what's going on. The mother is, of course, very distressed about this. They tried to get a restraining order out against Eric Meyer. But unfortunately, Eric Meyer was never served. Now, service of process means Eric Meyer needs to get these papers in his hand, not through the door, not to a family member, he, through his lawyer, through him directly. And so the fact is they've tried process serving three times or serving process serving three times to no avail. 
the mother is very angry about the whole thing, obviously so. And so her and her daughter, they're heading out one day. And when they head out, there is a, a sound glass breaking. And Eric Meyer was stood with a gun. He had just shot Brianna in the head. And he also shot her mother. He shot her mother in the neck. Unfortunately, a number of days later, Brianna died. Her mother survived the incident. And Eric Meyer was given 133 years in in prison now the thing about this 122 years sorry the thing about this case is that eric meyer when they did their their digging the detectives they're digging in their research eric meyer was fishing i don't even know if fishing would be the best word here but he was fishing what do i mean by that eric meyer would go onto the internet particularly facebook and he would talk to random teenage girls who is this do i know you what school do you go to in other words, he was fishing for teenage girls to have sex with. So when Brianna originally started talking to him and he said that she was beautiful, and she said, I'm sure you said that to all the other girls, and he denied that, well, in fact, that is true. Because Eric Meyer was talking to other teenage girls in the very same way in which he has done with Brianna. It makes me think about myself, and even just us in general, and I say myself because I've had occasions where People message me on social media, let's say Facebook, and I don't know who they are. I've had people message me on WhatsApp and I don't know who they are. And after watching this documentary, it made me think, this person is probably fishing. And I was reading something recently and it's about how there's guys who sometimes will text you. And when they text you, they will text you wrong number. In other words, they will put, let's say the number is 454 one, two, three, four, five, six. That's the number of one of their friends. But what they will do, they'll put four, five, four, one, two, four, four, five, six. In other words, there are some men and maybe women who will actually incorrectly type a number and just start messaging random people. And so for me, after watching this documentary, I was like, that's interesting because I have had people even within the last 72 hours message me. I had somebody message me and say, hi. And I said, hi. And then they said, who is this? And I said, you've messaged me. Or another time I had somebody message me and say, hi, or something along the line, some kind of hello. And I said, hi, I don't know who this is. And then I said, if you don't tell me who you are, I will block you. And they left me a voice message, which I couldn't understand. I had to send it to a friend for translation. And then the friend explained what the person said in English to me in English. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. And then in the end, I blocked them because whatever they were saying to me, I didn't know. When I said, who is this? They actually didn't tell me who it is. So for me personally, like sometimes I message people and when I communicate with them, they may ask me something and I don't want to say whatever they're asking me. So I will avoid the question. And on occasion, I've been blocked innocently, meaning I'm not a fraudster or anything. I'm a person who has their number for a legitimate reason. I got it from a legitimate source, but they immediately block. And it's like, wow, you've not even given me a chance to explain. Someone did that recently. In fact, I was at a funeral. I met somebody personally. I spoke to them and shared my passion for their country. They gave me their number. I messaged them and they blocked me, which was kind of weird because I met you. You gave me your number and you blocked me. You know, I said my name. They didn't know who I was, even though we've met in person. But they did not give me the opportunity to explain myself because when I explained 
I'd already been blocked. And so for myself, I don't like to go down that immediate block route. But the, the thing is to me, I have so much tolerance and so much patience. And so you've messaged me. I don't know who you are. You're saying, who is this? Straight away, it's like the alarm bells, the antenna is going off. And so, like I said, from watching the documentary and from learning about people who just randomly text people, that's put me more on high alert. So if someone is going to message me, hi, who is this? I'm not going to block them instantly, but I would still want them to at least tell me who they are. And that's what I found interesting in my experience. These people never lied to me and said, it's Tom, it's Harry, it's Leroy, it's Smith. They've never done that, which for me would be a lot more successful. If you lied to me, gave me a fake name, I would communicate with you to a certain point. But when you do that, I don't know who this is. I've had people message me, hi, who's this? I'm like, you've messaged me. They're like, oh, I'm not sure I got this number from somebody. Who are you? And all of that makes no sense. If you got my number from somebody, then you'd know who I am. Oh, I found your name, your number on the floor. I just get some ridiculous communications from people. But the difference between myself and Brianna is that I'm not going to entertain it. In fact, I know of a young girl and I happened to see her cell phone. I was using her phone and I went through her messages. She was under the age of 16. And so out of concern for her because of her nature, character, personality, I went through her messages. I would, I would definitely say that I wouldn't encourage going through somebody's messages, meaning a child's messages. I believe there's an approach to doing that, but I was very discreet about it. And so she never found out. But the point is, when I read her messages, there were strange people talking to her. She didn't know who they were. I didn't say anything to her because there's a way of doing that. But I was concerned. And so for me, when it comes to parenting, I'm not a parent, but I believe that it's important to have an open relationship. That the challenge is, let's say, for example, you have a child, let's say a girl, and she has a boyfriend and you do not approve of the boyfriend, but you know about him. Now, your daughter will be cutting school. She'll be leaving school early, getting out of the house early to go and have sex with this boy. Now, for you to be able to have control of the situation, telling her she cannot see him will not solve it. If you put her on lockdown and put bars on the window, then all you're doing is pushing her into running away. You don't want to do that because she could run away and end up severely hurt. What I think would be much more suitable or appropriate is for you to, and this may sound ridiculous, but hear me out, for you to engage in your daughter's life with this guy. When I say engage, I don't mean condone premarital sex. I wholly disagree with that. I mean, if she has a boyfriend, invite him to the house. Make sure that whenever they're there, they're not in the bedroom at any point, that you're always around so they can be in the kitchen, in the living room. The point is... You're going to be around. It's not like you're going to sit in the living room, but the door will be open and you'll come in and out every so often, or they're going to be out on the porch in the garden, depending on the weather. The point I'm trying to make is for you to be able to control the situation, isn't it a lot better that you're in your child's life? I understand that they may still go off and have sex on a weekend or early before school starts or after school finishes. I get that. But the point is, at least you're going to have more of an open relationship with your child by being with this couple, so to speak. I don't agree with teenagers being in a relationship, but I'm saying it's going to happen anyway. So what can we do as an alternative? Let's involve ourselves. Now, children are naive. And also, let's be real. If this guy is genuine, and most young guys are not genuine, let's be real. They just want sex. If he's genuine, 
he would come to the house. But truth be told, most young boys that just want to sleep with girls and get them pregnant, for what reason I don't understand, they do not want to be coming to your house when you're there. Think about it. They don't want that. And then also, when you're dropping him home and you're picking him up, he might be passing the mall or let's say that they go out to the movie theater, which I discourage because it's a dark venue. But what I'm trying to point out here, when you're with him or when you're chaperoning him from point A to B, you may end up passing by other young girls, other students. When you pick him up after school, the girls around the school, the girls in the area will see that. And so if he's playing four or five girls, they're going to be like, wait a minute, why is Mrs. X picking him? You know what I'm saying? The point I'm trying to make is your children are going to do it anyway. The best way to protect your kids is to involve them. So, for example, with Brianna's mother, what would have been a better way to approach this is to have Eric Meyer come over to the house let him spend time with the daughter, obviously not in the bedroom, but you know, she could facilitate the relationship. And that is a hard thing for one to get their head around because he's a 21 year old with a 14 year old, but they're going to do it anyway. So you're not condoning the relationship, but you are as best as you can controlling the interaction. You're building a relationship with him. You're getting to know him. When you're around him, you're going to get to see his character. Like the Bible says, by their fruit, you will know him. So when you get to see his character, then you can say to your daughter, I didn't like the way Eric spoke to you yesterday. I don't like the way Eric did. The point is, when you're there, it is not just he said, she said. You can actually witness his behavior. You can listen into the kinds of things that he says. Because often when you have rose tinted glasses, you're unable to actually see what really is going on. Because it saddens me that there are so many girls. When I watch murder mysteries and murder dramas and murder documentaries, all based on fact, when I watch these, it's sad because I see a lot of young women who end up dying at the hands of their boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, spouse, ex-husband, etc. And I even see a lot of women, particularly African-Americans, since most of these are American documentaries, who end up becoming single mothers very young. And it's interesting because even one documentary I saw, single mother, three children. Those three children very likely had different fathers because of the significant age gap. A lot of these single mothers become teenage mothers. Now, I don't understand what a teenager is doing having sex. They should be doing their homework. They should be at school. They should be spending time with friends in a social gathering. I don't understand. And sex education is not the solution because, in fact, sex education just teaches them how to have safe sex. Because even there as a family in the UK, they have around 21 or 22 children. And this family are very famous for having the most children in the whole of the United Kingdom. And one of their daughters got pregnant when she was a teenager. I think she may have been 15 or 16 at the time. And the daughter actually says, I didn't know I'd get pregnant this easily. And I found that interesting. I went to school in the UK and sex education is there. It's available for us. We are taught and educated. When I was in high school, we would read magazines for teenage girls. Those magazines talk about practicing safe sex. And so therefore, when you have children be being pregnant as children, giving birth to children, you have to question what is going on here. Now, of course, I don't advocate abortions. And it's interesting because I have friends who have had abortion. In fact, my friends who've had abortions who have confided in me, they were white or Indian. 
I also know a, a group of girls, their siblings, and they've had abortions and they're black. But what I do know from my experience from interacting with survivors of domestic violence and abuse, that a lot of the girls that I meet who have had children are black and they become teenage mums. Why is that? Is it because they don't condone abortions? Is it because they actually have a Christian upbringing where abortions are not agreed with? What is it? I'm fascinated because there are a lot of white women and white girls who do get pregnant, but there's no evidence of it. And in fact, I've read articles in the UK about how abortions are becoming the new contraception, the quick fix. I watched a documentary of an Indian sister. This Indian sister is having an affair with her brother-in-law, gets pregnant, has an abortion, murders her biological sister to have the husband. She goes to jail. The point is abortion becomes a quick fix, but that is not the solution. Safe sex is not the solution. The solution is abstaining from sex until marriage. But then beyond that, your children are going to have sex anyway. So it's not about advocating safe sex, but it's about talking to children, letting them understand the responsibilities, even giving them the opportunity to, for example, parent your niece or nephew, parent your neighbor's child for the weekend and see how they manage that. In the UK, there was in fact a documentary where they actually gave teenage girls a doll and that doll, you had to feed it bath it and all this kind of stuff and the doll would cry and they gave it to these girls to try to dissuade them from becoming pregnant whether that doll really helps i don't know but the reality is i think it would be good for boys and girls to play house to practice looking after a child rather than don't have sex put them in a position where they are stuck with this kid for 24 hours now i believe for the kid's safety the baby's safety you need to be around because we know about infanticide etc you need to be around but what i'm saying to you don't get involved, just watch. And when the baby's crying at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, that may have the impact to stop some people from having sex, or it may actually encourage them to practice safe sex because there are a lot of guys who encourage their girlfriend or their side, side chick or whatever you want to call her, they encourage that girl to have sex without using contraception. And when they do that, the girl gets pregnant. And so we really need to be having a conversation with our girls because unfortunately, my belief is that a lot of girls, they're so naive, they so want to impress and please and keep that relationship that they're willing to do everything, even put themselves at risk of an STD or falling pregnant. And that is the thing, like I believe girls need to grow up because it becomes all about the man and not about them. And let's be real. When she gets pregnant, often this boy runs away and sleeps with another girl. So parents need to have conversations with their children. It's not about judging your child. It's about understanding. She's in love with this boy. She wants to have sex with him. You don't agree with that, but there's a way to communicate. Communication is the key. It's not going to solve all your problems. What I'm saying to you, banning your children, putting them in isolation, grounding them is not the key. It's not the cure. The cure is conversation talk to them involve yourself in that relationship as best as you can and do whatever it is in your power to dissuade them by letting them understand the responsibility one moment of pleasure and a lifetime of pain when you're a single mom the responsibilities the financial side what about education all of this it is a burden and people don't understand that little girl, that teenager wants to please the boyfriend who doesn't intend to marry her 10 years down the road. He just sees her as easy pickings. And so we need to get girls to understand their value and understand to put their needs prior above that of the guy in the sense of 
having sex without contraception is very naive. It is very risky, very dangerous in the sense of the STDs and the pregnancy. Discourage premarital sex, but let's be realistic. When you go ahead and do that, the consequences are going to affect you and even for the rest of your life. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode.